Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Yeah? <laughs> Listen, I've got such a... Yeah, I know. Spit it out. Spit <laughs> it out. I'm not choking on a gumball. Yeah? And I don't have a hairball I'm trying to cough up either, Joe. Uh, there's just so much happened overnight. I've got such a stacked show. Uh, I'm eager to get going today. So welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Oh, man. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Yes, yes. Happy Tuesday. So we've got some updates in a major court court ruling that you didn't hear about probably yesterday because everybody wants it to go away. Got that. Got some crazy video of Kamala Harris trying to, you know, invent the money fairy. And uh, we got to get into, of course, what happened with Cuomo a little bit. I'm not going to play the video. It's like too many F-bombs in there. But stack show. Don't go anywhere. Let's get right to it. Today's (laughs) show brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. The GenuCell summer blowout sale is here. Ladies and gentlemen, all prices are slashed drastically in August. A $30 instant coupon is applied automatically to your web or phone orders. You believe that? It's that easy. Just go to GenuCell.com or call. Here's Cheryl, the now famous Cheryl from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Whoa. The first time I tried the jawline treatment, I could immediately feel the tightening sensation, the tightening sensation. I've been using it for a week and the results are very Visible. My jawline looks so much younger. Time to stock up on the best skincare or try the luxury and effectiveness of the GenuCell at the lowest prices of the year. Yeah. And right now, when you order the original GenuCell, that's right, Joe, for uh. under eye bags and puffiness. Yeah. The jawline treatment <laughs> is yours absolutely free. Gobble and it start up. seeing results in 12 hours. GenuCell, you like that. Yes. GenuCell's immediate <laughs> effects is also free. Go to GenuCell.com and enter Dan30. That's Dan30 at checkout. Why Dan30? Because you'll get a $30 instant coupon automatically off your order in August. Go to GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Enter Dan30 for your $30 off at checkout. All right, Joe. Let's go. All right. Nice. Okay. Numero uno. Before I get to Cuomo and the gun control narrative being lost and liberal language police... There was a court ruling yesterday you probably haven't heard a lot about because it's only been covered, again, by people who've been doing their homework on the entire kind of Spygate, Jim Comey, Jim Clapper, Mm -hmm. um, deep state conspiracy thing. What happened yesterday? Uh, I want to hat tip my buddy Techno Fog again at uh, Techno, I think, underscore Fog on Twitter, who's great, uh, puts out legal documents, analyzes them. Uh, and I saw yesterday, I was busy yesterday, I'm in the midst of reading my audio book, which I love. Really? I love reading my audio book. It's enjoyable. It is the greatest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. It's enjoyable. I love it. I'm, I'm reading it now don't uh, for, uh, for, uh, for Audible. No, I'm not kidding. I really do. I like it. Um, I'm reading it now because this book tells like kind of a narrative. So last night I was kind of stacked, but I saw this break on Twitter and this is really cool. So there was a court ruling yesterday by this judge. Uh, the, the Archie declarations, Joe. I'm not talking about Archie like the comics. The Archie declarations <laughs> right. are now going to become public unredacted. You're like, what the heck are the Archie declarations? Why does this matter? Why are we even talking about this with everything going on? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is a big break, huh. a huge break. Here's what happened. What are the Archie declarations first? And why was the FBI and the DOJ trying to keep them secret and hidden? Yeah. 
The Archie declarations are, the Archie's the name of an FBI agent who filed these declarations. These declarations are a set of kind of memos that are reasons, and Joe, please track me if you don't get this. Stand by. There are reasons that the FBI and the DOJ wants to keep the Jim Comey memos secret. So they're, in, us, in essence, memos about the Comey memos, yeah. and they lay out why the Comey memos should be secret, mm-hmm. which, if you're putting two and two together, lay out what's in the Comey memos, too. Mm-hmm. In other words, <laughs> we don't want to expose the Comey memos to the public because they say this, this, and this, and this. You dig? Yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is bad for the FBI. So the Bureau and the DOJ Bad. said, no, no, no. We want these Archie declarations named after this FBI uh, agent who wrote them, this FBI official. We want those secret too. The judge said, you're out of here. No dice. The Archie declarations are coming out unredacted. Here, uh, hat tip techno fog again on Whoa. Twitter. Here's a screenshot of the declaration with a big <laughs> denied <laughs> stamp <laughs> denied. Now, you'll notice at the top something interesting in this lawsuit. The lawsuit against the FBI to expose these Archie huh. declarations was filed by who? Yeah. Cable, Cable News, News Network, Network Inc. Who's that, Joe? I think C-N-N. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, you would be right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I interrupted you in the middle of answering That's this question. That's quite all right, Dan. People hate when I do that. Ah. People love you, Joe. They get upset. I should never interrupt Aww. Joe. He's a vital portion of his program. <laughs> Thanks, if you're watching, dude. they do. You have a lot of supporters out there. If you're watching on YouTube.com slash Bongino, you can see it. You can read it. It just basically says your application's denied with a big red denied wow. on the front of it. Now, wow. these are, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, now. What does this really mean? Because again, anybody can come out and cover this. All right, so what? There's declarations about the Comey memos. Folks, we should be asking some big questions right now. You know, we've only been told about, what, about seven, seven to nine or so Jim Comey memos that he wrote when he met with President Donald Trump. Remember those memos, yeah. Joe? He mm-hmm. goes, Comey went to meet with Trump, took it, went into the car. Went into the car. And like yeah. the snake he is. Yeah, yeah, started yeah. typing everything up in a computer. Now, we've been told about, again, what, seven to nine memos or so he wrote. The real question now, what a lot of people are starting to kind of put out there and, you know, seed the field with is, well, how many memos are there? Are we sure there are just Comey memos about his meetings with Donald Trump? Because, folks, a lot of people are speculating that there's a series of Jim Comey memos that these Archie declarations are trying to hide that may be a little more in-depth and lengthy and may predate the Trump administration. Mm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why would that matter? Can you imagine? Let me ask you to just entertain this possibility for a moment here. Can you imagine if Jim Comey was actually in the practice of writing memos predating his time with Donald Trump? And of course, Comey, who's always in CYA mode, cover your, you get the rest, caboose. Well, that starts with a C, but there is an A after the C. Can you imagine if Comey, Joe, was writing a series of memos during his time working the Spygate case, covering his butt that may implicate his now arch nemesis, John Brennan and others. Yeah. Remember what I told you, ladies and gentlemen, a long time ago on the show. 
Sooner or later, there is going to be clarity on who exactly was pushing the dossier. I've already told you my theory and the steel information. I believe, again, as I cover in my soon-to-be-released book, Exonerated, I was reading this part last night, which was good. It's good to read your book because you're reminded. You know, I wrote it a while yeah. ago, and we had to update it, so it was good to be reminded. In the book, I talk about this parallel construction scheme, which was from the start where I believe John Brennan, the Central Intelligence Agency, along with foreign intelligence partners, was using Steele's information, but was feeding it to the FBI and hiding exactly where it came from. Why, Joe? So when the FBI later got the same information from Steele, mm. it looked like right. it was verified. Does that, does yeah, that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Yeah. Folks, oh, yeah. please, they, 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 why parallel? Parallel construction scheme, mm -hmm. because... The, the CIA doesn't have law enforcement powers. They run in parallel, not perpendicular, right? Mm -hmm. So the CIA had a, and the FBI, the CIA had to get the FBI to reconstruct the information from apparently legitimate sources. So what better person to get it from than Steele, who'd worked with the FBI before? Mm -hmm. So the CIA goes to the FBI. Comey goes, excuse me, Brennan goes to Comey and he says, hey, we got this information. Carter Page is working for the Trump team. He's working with the Russians. He's a he's a spy. This is really bad. Uh, Brennan goes to Harry Reid. Hey, tell Comey to open up a case. But they never tell them that this information comes from steel and fusion. So then all of a sudden, the Hillary team and others start pushing the FBI. Remember the DNC lawyer, Sussman? who starts communications with Baker from the FBI and passes this information. Hey, we got this guy Steele with this information about Carter Page. Oh my gosh. Hmm. We already heard that from the CIA. This is crazy. It must be true. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's the same info. Now, going back to the Archie declarations, why this matters. Excuse me. Itchy nose. If Comey has a series of memos, Joe, documenting his communications with Brennan and others, mm -hmm. those would be absolutely damning to show exactly what this parallel construction scheme meant. Was Comey, did Comey know? Was the information source hidden from Comey by Brennan? The point is these Archie declarations, I believe, are, coming, are covering up a series of memos far, far more than just his communications with Donald Trump. Now we're going to see them. Folks, it's all coming out at once. Everything, it's like a fire hose now. You got the OR 302s. You got these RG declarations Ooh. now. There is going to be sunlight. Again, is there going to be accountability? I had a guy email me yesterday. I understand. I get your emails. I'm tired of it, Dan. Nothing's going to happen. I Listen, I am with you. Amen, my brother. I am totally with you. But us not covering it contributes to the problem. Yes, all we can hope, right? I mean, that doesn't... Yes. Oh, so let's just let it all go away. Thanks. No, I'm not letting it Good go away, there, ever. Brother. I'm sorry. Good hit. It's the biggest scandal in human history, Joe, and I'm not just going to stop talking about it because swamp rat, filthy bureaucrats in D.C. don't want to do a damn thing and want to cover their butts. No, I'm not letting it go away, right. ever. One day, people hopefully will look back and watch these episodes and watch Hannity on Fox and, Levin on, and listen to Levin on radio and go, gosh, you know what? They were right. We really should have looked into this. Hopefully there will be accountability. I don't want to preclude that or close that door. I'm just suggesting right. I'm not stopping. No, absolutely not. I talk about it when news breaks. We yep. don't talk about it when it don't.
Whoop de doo, Edith. Okay. Whoop de doo. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Darn Archie? right, man. <laughs> Archie yeah, Bunker. of course. I like yeah. to watch that show all the time. That was actually the the uh, beginning of Archie's uh, All in the Family. The beginning <laughs> that where they show the row homes. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. filmed in my neighborhood oh, in Glendale. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the row homes in Upper Glendale. Yes, yeah, so Archie doggone. Bunker always had a connection to Glendale. Whoop de doo, Edith. Whoop de doo. Uh, he he died, Carol O'Connor. Right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Folks, all right, uh, moving on, because this is important, too, on this same topic. Before I get to there's a bunch of other stuff going on to really pack news. That's why I started out the show like that. So I've been picking through the OR 302s. I don't want to swamp you with it all at one time. Um, there's another tidbit. I want to hat tip Chuck Ross, who put this on his Twitter feed, and he's right. Um, I caught this the other day, too, going through them, and I was glad to see him this morning. It reminded me to talk about this. This is a screenshot from uh, Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller, who does a great work, his Twitter feed. Here's another another smoking gun from the OR 302s. Again, Bruce Orr is a DOJ official. He's, these 302s are summaries of his interview with the FBI. Orr is working with Christopher Steele after Steele's already been terminated by the FBI. In other words, the source was never terminated by the FBI. They were still using them. It's a whole big information laundering scheme. But here's the R302s that we saw. Check this out. This is an interesting one. He says, uh, this is from the from the 302s. Or advised Kathleen Kavalek from the State Department uh, would be meeting with redacted representatives in order to discuss potential Russian influence in their upcoming presidential elections. So... Basically, Bruce Orr is saying that Kavalek from the State Department, who was meeting with Steele, was meeting with some other representatives from a country that's redacted or a place that's redacted in order to discuss Russian influence in the presidential elections. But that's not the kicker. I mean, that's interesting enough why they redacted that. Okay. But this redaction is really, really suspicious. Orr reminded the interviewing agents that Kavalek did speak with Steele several times prior to the 2016 U.S. presidential election and believes Steele's reporting to have generated from mainly redacted. <laughs> what? Huh? So just to be clear, Kavalak from the State Department, we know met with Steele. We know Kavalak did not believe Steele was credible. Why is this important? Because Kavalak works for the State Department. Why she was interviewing Steele who's allegedly got this intel and not the CIA or others is bizarre. Again, I believe it was done to flood the zone. Steele wanted to pass his information to everyone, the CIA, Hillary Clinton, the DNC, the FBI, to make that information appear more legitimate because it was coming from multiple sources. David Kramer at the McCain Institute. But this is fascinating because it's a Department of Justice official acknowledging that before the election, Kavalek met with Steele. We know Kavalek didn't think Steele was credible. Right. She checked his information. She found it to be largely wrong. Remember, Steele told her they're doing this whole thing out of the Russian consulate oh, yeah. in Miami. In there Miami. is no Russian consulate <laughs> in Miami. Right. She checks travel records and suggests it doesn't marry up with Steele's story about these people traveling. She also acknowledges that Steele said his sources were Russians, Trebnikov and Surkov, two Russians close to Putin. I thought we were looking at collusion. But now Orr at the DOJ is aware of this too, this Kavalek meeting, and says, can you put that up again? That Steele got his information mainly from redacted. Now, may I suggest to you that what's that what's behind that redaction may be something to the effect of that Steele got his information 
mainly from online sources or not credible sources. Huh. Now, why does that matter? That matters because, again, we're acknowledging not only Kavalek thinks Steele's not credible, but Orr knows Kavalek thinks Steele's not credible, and they thought Steele wasn't credible before they swore the FISA warrant was true using Steele's information. Ladies and gentlemen, again, in some circles, we would call this a A problem. I must call it a clue. <laughs> uh, almost, it, almost. That we, me and Joe used to use that all the time. In yeah. some limited circles, we would call that a, a clue. clue. Yes. But what's the problem here? Yeah. Let's say that redaction and what's underneath that redaction isn't, you know, online sources. Say it's something like mainly from foreign intelligence operatives in London or whatever. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, we got a problem. Number one, if it it mentions foreign intel, then you know the State Department was involved in an intelligence laundering scheme from foreign intelligence sources to launder it into the DOJ, which already knew about it because Orr said it. Or secondly, if that says something like online or not credible sources, number one, the redaction's illegitimate. That's not national security. Remember, that's supposed to be the reason for these redactions. Yeah. And number two, it's clearly redacted to avoid the egg on the face of the FBI acknowledging they swore to a warrant that the DOJ already knew was based on shoddy information. Folks, this stuff is devastating. And no, I'm not letting it go. Oh, you know what? I forgot to thank you at the beginning of the show, too. I, I got to move on anyway. But I'm that, So that's the takeaway. The Bureau's either, either hiding egg on the face that Kavalek or the State Department and the DOJ knew this guy's sources were crap, or secondly, they're hiding a foreign intelligence laundering scheme. Either way, they're all in trouble when those redactions are unredacted, big time. Hey, a big um, thank you. I should have done this at the beginning of the show. I deeply appreciate all your support, by the way. Um, I ask you all when I'm on Fox hosting to please tune in, and you are the best audience in the world. I mean it. Uh, Joe and I and Paul, I, I adore you all. Your emails... The stuff you send, the Jane gavel, um, what is it, Jose, the, the penalty flags. You all are just really terrific. It's such an interactive experience, even though we don't take calls. But I asked you to tune into The Five and Hannity on Friday, where I was guest hosting and co-hosting both of those shows. Yeah. And here's the ratings for the day. Um, look, we were number one on Hannity, 2.5 million. And this is hat tip, by the way, at RoadMN, my favorite Twitter account. He tracks all the ratings. Hat tip to him. This is his spreadsheet. And we were number three for the five with a staggering 2.196, which is excellent. Um, just to show you, it matters, folks. All right. You all are the best audience out there. And I really, really thank you. I watch these numbers like a hawk because this is the business. If people like you, they tune in. If they don't, they don't. So thank you very much. It's not like a, hey, look at me. It's a, hey, look at you. You all are doing the watching. Um, I will be guest hosting Fox and Friends, by the way, on Friday. So please check that out as well. I'll be there from six to nine, obviously doing my thing this Friday coming up on Fox and Friends. So thank you again very much. All right, I got to move on. Um, I've got a quick story coming up about our, I say quick because it's easy to understand. We have a really tragic, catastrophic debt situation on our hands, and I'm sorry, it doesn't matter who's in office or not. It's certainly not the president's only issue. I mean, it doesn't only involve him, but the debt situation has become catastrophic. So I'll get to that uh, quickly. Our next sponsor, 
Listen, we love our sponsors. They're happy to be here, and I am happy to have them. Bowl and Branch, the best sheets out there. We love Bowl and Branch. Ladies and gentlemen, we sleep on them, and they're like a fine wine. The more you use them, the more broken in they get, the more comfortable they are. The only issue with Bowl and Branch is they're so comfortable to sleep on, you'll never want to sleep on other sheets again, ever in your life. They're that good. Everything Bowl and Branch makes, that's Bowl, by the way, B-O-L-L, not Ball, Bowl, B-O-L-L and Branch, like a tree branch, makes from bedding blankets is made from pure 100% organic cotton. They start out super soft and get softer over time. Everyone who tries Bowl and Branch Sheets loves them. They have thousands of five-star reviews. Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and Fast Company, we're all talking about Bowl and Branch. Even three U.S. presidents sleep on Bowl and Branch Sheets. Shipping is free. You can try them for 30 nights. If you don't love them, send them back for a full refund. You won't. But I doubt you'll want to send them back. You won't. There's no risk and no reason not to try Bowl and Branch. To get you started right now, my listeners get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com. Use promo code Bongino. These sheets are amazing. It's a threefer. Go to bowlandbranch.com for $50 off your first set of sheets. That's bowl, B-O-L-L, and branch, like a tree branch.com. Promo code Bongino, bowlandbranch.com. Promo code Bongino. Get these sheets. You will not be disappointed. Okay. Um, you know, good news, bad news time. Uh, I think the president overall is doing a pretty good job and he's dealing with a lot of headwinds. But folks, again, I'm, I'm not here to play golden calf to anybody. Uh, we got a spending problem, folks, and it's a bad one. And us saying, well, you know, we generate a lot of debt under Obama and Bush and then pretending it's all going to go away. And this administration um, is just absolutely foolish and ridiculous. Look at this article by CNS News. Folks, Terrence Jeffrey, who does really amazing work on this. I have this up at the show notes, by the way, at Bongino.com. Subscribe to my email list. I'll send it to you. Listen to this number. You know, the fiscal year, it huh. runs till, uh, what is it, October 1st. It doesn't run during the chronological calendar year, right? So we're two months from the end of the fiscal year. We have spent $3,727,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000
And ladies and gentlemen, this is just entirely unacceptable. And we would be complete hypocrites to ignore this. Folks, at some point, all remember the, the, what the great Milton Friedman line was, all debts are paid. They're yep. either paid by the debtor or the creditor. All debts are paid. Yep. There is no debt that magically disappears. If you were the debtor, you took on debt, I take a loan from Joe and I pay it back, then yes, the debtor paid it. If I take a loan from Joe and I don't pay it back, that debt was paid too by Joe. Right. He gave me the money and he paid it. He never got paid back. All debts are paid, all of them. Meaning we owe people, what is it, what, $22 trillion now? So far, $866 billion this year? We owe people this money. Now, what happens when you don't pay people back? Now, I heard a theory from a, a, a leftist who argues with me on my email, and that's okay. Listen, I don't mind that. I only mind the insults. Like, if you want to, I'll happily engage with you on email. Just, you know, you're like, yeah, hey, you're a jerk. I usually just delete that stuff, but some people are cool about it. And his theory is, well, who's going to make us pay it back? Folks, a lot of this we owe, we owe to Americans, our own people. And by the way, suggesting that, oh, you know what? Because the Chinese lent us, they have about a trillion in U.S. denominated assets. You know, we're not going to pay them back is fair either. It's kind of a snake move, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so what? I mean, you have people in China, not, not everybody's an evil communist. You have people that lent us money. The fair thing to do is to pay people back. You may say, well, screw them. I don't care. No, no, don't screw them. Because business and economics doesn't take the screw them approach. What happens then, folks? We become high risk. Right. People won't lend us money at reasonable interest rates. You'll have to be borrowing from a, remember that guy in, in who was the Rocky one? Remember Rocky? He was the enforcer. I was told to break your thumbs. You didn't pay back. The money. Who is it? Tony, the street guy. You got to start. You're going to have to lend money at extraordinary interest rates because nobody's going to pay it back. Folks, those interest rates filter down through the economy to you. Ultimately, Americans pay. All debts are paid. Now, what's okay? Great, we're in a, is a problem. What's the solution? Obviously, some spending control. Number one, reinforce the spending caps and reauthorize the BCA spending caps and get a hold on this. Reform entitlements, Social Security and uh, Medicare—that's destroying us. We spent what is it? A million in HHS? I mean, excuse me, a trillion in HHS? I'm losing track of the money myself. Nine hundred, uh, nine hundred billion in Social Security. They have to be reformed. We're going broke. But folks, I was watching an interesting show last night with my with my wife. The History Channel has this fascinating series, you know, Foods That Built America or whatever. Um, and it's a history of the food industry. And I know it sounds boring. It wasn't. It's fascinating. My wife and I were like, gosh, let's tape the next one. Talking about CW Post and uh, Kellogg, hmm. uh, Hershey, all these people, how they built these monstrous businesses. And one of the fascinating stories there was about how Marjorie Merriweather Post, when uh, when C.W. Post, her father, um, killed himself, that Marjorie Post, who took over the company, was very entrepreneurial and went out and scooped up businesses early, uh, log cabin syrup and others, and made General Foods, this, this massive multi-billion dollar conglomerate. Hmm. But one of the things was Marjorie Post had an eye for business. And one of the businesses she bought, which was fascinating, was Bird's Eye. You know, frozen vegetables, yeah. Bird's Eye. And how the guy who invented Birdseye, was it Clarence Birdseye, was 
he was losing money. He never made it up. Why, Joe? Because he froze all these vegetables and nobody had freezers. So the only people <laughs> buying the frozen vegetables had to thaw them out that day. So Marjorie Post comes in, long story short, scoops up this company for what at, at the time was $300 million in today's oh. money. It was $22 million at the time. Everybody laughed. Oh, you're an idiot. You bought this stupid company. You're crazy. You, you overpaid. This company wasn't making a dollar. What a dope. Well, now, of course, through her entrepreneurial spirit and giving away freezers to supermarkets and the, the technology, we have a massive frozen food business in the United States. Yep. Why am I bringing that up in terms of the debt? Because, folks, there is a way out of this. The way out of this is we need a massive technological breakthrough. Now, was frozen food the massive breakthrough? No, it was a significant one, nonetheless. Fed millions of people through decades through the advent of frozen food technology. But folks, with a massive economic breakthrough, I don't know what it's going to be. Quantum computing, material science, 3D printing, supply chain technology, artificial intelligence. I don't know what it's going to be. If I did, I'd be a billionaire myself like Marjorie Post. I have some ideas about where it may go. We need that breakthrough. We need it quick. We are in a race against time right now before this debt comes crashing down and you're paying 20% on your mortgage loan to buy a house. We are in a serious race against time. If Donald Trump can get a hold on this spending, it'll buy us a little more time. Important thing to talk about. Great series, by the way. I can't recommend it enough. Um, was it foods that built America or some very good stuff? Um, okay. Um, I got to move on cause I got a lot of stuff. Uh, folks, you know, it's, it's disturbing. I was going to say fascinating, but it's not the appropriate word because it's really disturbing and troubling how the media, you know, their trends fixed on these narratives. They're like hypnotized, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. narratives are their thing. Remember the media doesn't do truth. Journalism supposed right. to be about facts, data points where you interpret the truth and you lend your opinion to a series of facts. That that's all dead. Ruling media is dead. Okay. To the was a, what's her name? Jane the Jane Gavel dead. My you know how I, I fall in love with it. There's another one by the way. Fraud alert media. Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they don't do facts and data anymore. What they do is storylines, and the current storyline regarding these dreadful shootings that we've seen is that, of course, this is Republicans' fault. You've I mean, oh my gosh, can yeah, you say that? that? Yeah. I don't have to say it. The media right. says it about Donald Trump. Donald Trump did this. Meanwhile, they keep uh. in mind one of the, the the Dayton shooter was a leftist. But again, it doesn't. I don't blame people. It's just dumb right. media stuff. But the media narrative, it's a Republican's fault, number one. That's takeaway number one. It's not true, but that's their narrative. Takeaway number two is gun control is the answer. So keep this in mind, because the story I'm about to present to you from Breitbart, A.W. A.W.R. Hawkins, excuse me, which is up at the show notes. I encourage you to read it. The reason you're not hearing about this on the front pages of the national papers and on the nightly news every night is because it doesn't involve Republicans, number one. Remember, the narrative is shootings are Republicans' fault. Narrative mm -hmm. number two, gun control is the answer. If the story doesn't fit those two data points, that those two criteria, you will not hear about it, even though the carnage is no different. Here's a story from Breitbart, which should trouble any sane, sentient being. A.W.R. Hawkins, August 12, 2019. 47 shot. 
four fatally over the weekend in Democrat-controlled Chicago. Keep that up a second. I want to read that again. These are our citizens, our folks, our people. 47 shot, four fatally over the weekend in Democrat-controlled Chicago. Where's this story? Was that interesting to you? Let me just read one of them to you, right? Took a little note on this. It's troubling. To t- it really is. I'm not like messing with it. This is like really troubling stuff. So it was a 16-year-old kid. I'm not familiar with Chicago. I've only been there once. Flew in there with Obama. But in an area called Little Village, who was sitting in a car. Yeah, he's dead. Dead. But his life doesn't matter. Why isn't that a national story? What about the 16-year-old? What, what, why, he's not important to you? If I'm not mistaken, in Chicago at that time, even a hospital was a designated a pass-by because they were so busy taking care of folks. You're darn right. That is yeah. an excellent point. Remember that? I think we covered that a couple of weeks ago. The, the hospitals were so yeah. full with our people these are our cities. These are American citizens in American it. city. Yeah. Chicago's not in Afghanistan. Mm-mm. It's not in Mexico or Canada or Japan. It's in Illinois. Last time I checked, these are our people. Joe's right. We covered this. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. There's a mm. hospital so full of people involved in these street shootings that you're not, you can't even take the shootings there anymore. The no. shooting victims. Why? Why is it this story on the, well, the answer is obvious when you understand how I opened the segment. Because it's a Democrat-controlled area that already has the strictest gun control laws in the country, or some of them. Yeah. It doesn't fit the narrative, folks. It's as simple as that. Now you understand why media mistrust is at an all-time high? If you're going to cover what's going on in this country honestly, you should be covering this story fairly. And you should be covering the fact that where you're, the gun laws you want... You, liberals, not us. The firearms restrictions you want to implement, where they've been implemented, you have a bloodbath going on. Our kids, innocent people being killed, 47 people shot. Oh, it doesn't fit your your, your story because it's a Democrat-controlled area? Folks, the media is on a dishonesty campaign, the likes of which we haven't seen in decades. Whether it's the Trump era, a TDS level six infection, I don't know what it is. But I'm getting tired of this. And in conjunction and in tandem with yesterday's show where we covered these dreadful red flag laws, again, I want to strongly encourage the White House to reevaluate your position on this. These firearms restrictions and gun laws are not the answer. There's an interesting piece I read in the Wall Street Journal today. Forgive me, I'm not sure if it was McGurn or or whoever. But he was addressing this as well. If we're going to have an honest conversation, then let's have it. But we're the only ones having that honest conversation. Folks, I'll be straight with you. And this may disappoint some of you, and that's fine. If I thought these red flag laws, the idea of universal background checks, what they call them, we already have background checks. If I thought this would stop mass shootings in this country, you'd be insane to say no. They won't. They're not going. They would not have stopped any of this stuff. 
I've already told you, clearly we have a culture rot problem. Guns have been around forever. How many times I got to tell this story? My my old Secret Service friend used to go to school in, uh, was it Truman, M- Missouri? The, the Truman Patriots? He, he, that's where he went to school. I don't want to say who it is, but I forget the exact details where he, he grew up. He used to tell me funny stories growing up about Stealing his neighbor's steak off the barbecue and throwing a raccoon on there. I was like, that's kind of, the, the thing must have stunk. <laughs> he remembers the story. But he'd go to school in the parking lot. He'd have the, you'd have his uh, 22 in the back of the truck. So did everyone else. Guns have been around forever. There's something that happened to the, 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 the culture that is rotting the minds of young men in this country who are so angry they want to go out and murder multiple people. Can we have a conversation about it? No, no, no. We got to talk about gun control. Okay, you tried it in Chicago. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it didn't. All right, I want to get to this um, this Cuomo thing. and But I want to talk about it in a deeper context. For those of you who missed it, Chris Cuomo from CNN had a, uh, a blowout with a guy in public who recorded it. I'm not going to play the video. You'll see it all over the place. Too many F-bombs in there. And I really do try to keep the show family friendly. Sometimes it doesn't work that well. I get a little um, emotional myself. Mm. But, you know, from a guy who's been recorded himself, I generally don't like that kind of stuff. Having said that, there's a couple things about it I want to get to in terms of the language police. So don't go anywhere. Uh, I think it's a different perspective than you're hearing about this because this is like blowing up on Twitter. Even conservatives are going back and forth with each other over the Cuomo incident, as we'll call it. <laughs> All right, finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Bravo Company Manufacturing. Ladies and gentlemen, Bravo Company Manufacturing makes the finest rifles and pistols out there. Bravo Company, I always tell the story, when I went and picked up mine, at the local firearm shop, uh, the guy who who gave them to me was really, really happy for me. He's like, these are really great pieces of equipment. They make really, really quality, high quality firearms. Folks, but but there's a distinction about Bravo Company Manufacturing. I want you to understand. Um, they don't make, this is not a sporting arms company. This is a life-saving equipment company. Bravo Company Manufacturing assumes when their rifles, their pistols, when they leave the shop, they know, number one, it's an awesome responsibility. Safety and proficiency obviously matter if you decide to be a responsible firearm owner. But they understand that their rifles and pistols will wind up in the hands of likely police officers or military personnel or civilians who may, God forbid, one day have to defend themselves or the lives of their family. That's what they think about when they assemble these things by hand, these Bravo Company manufacturing rifles. The website is bravocompanymfg.com. They build them in Heartland, Wisconsin, right here in America, to a life-saving standard, and every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested. Folks, I can't recommend them enough. These are really fine pieces of equipment, accurate to a T. I haven't had any, any malfunctions despite firing over and over with these at the range. No problem. It's right on point every time. BCM puts people before their products. They build their products because they feel it's their moral responsibility to provide tools that will not fail the end user when it's needed most. Folks, please check them out. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, go to bravocompanymfg.com. That's bravocompanymfg.com. Bravocompanymfg.com or check out their YouTube channel youtube.com slash bravo company usa check them out okay so before i get to cuomo there is a spectacular piece at powerline blog hat tip to uh what is it sfb who sent it to me uh, i get a lot of emails of articles hmm. uh, a lot of them are very good and sometimes i use them on the show i don't I, the guy's email was sfb 
This is a by John Hinderaker. Forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, John. Powerline blog. It'll be up at the show notes. Please, please read this one. It is so good. The left's exclusionary language. Now, how this twice ties to Cuomo, I think is going to be a different take on what you've seen, but stay tuned because it's important. Joe, what do we talk about on the show all the time? How the left engages in these these language wars, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, they ch- and I'm always like kicking myself in the butt, <laughs> slamming myself in the face because I feel like I'm never explaining this right. I even say to Joe before and after the show, I'm like, I'm just not nailing this down. Okay. I discuss this often on the show, how the left is constantly changing the rules of acceptable language. And the reason they do it is to put you on the outside, because if you use a word that they've now declared to be racist or misogynistic, you'll use it because the day before it wasn't considered such. And then all of a sudden the left can go, you're a racist. Look at that guy. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You know, I, I, only found out what a year ago that he pronouns and she pronouns are transphobic. If you think you're talking to a male and you say he or about a male, Hmm. how is that transphobic? If you're talking to someone who's a man or about someone who's a man, you say he, we were never told that was transphobic because it's not, but the (laughs) left wants you to exclude you from that social circle of acceptable people to make you look like the outsider transphobe. Look at him. Scarlet letter, Hester Prynne. Now, this piece nails it. I don't know if SFB who emailed it to me was thinking about this when I assume he or she was because when they sent it, they know I talk about this all the time. Here it is absolutely nailed in the piece. Now, the irony of this, though, is Hinderaker's writing about an article in The Atlantic, a left-leaning piece, hmm. yeah. where the thesis of the author, Joe, <laughs> the guy steps on his own message. The thesis of the author in The Atlantic, his theory is that the left's exclusionary language, in other words, always changing the rules. We can't talk yeah. about he and she. Now it's she and gem and them and whatever that the left's exclusionary language is not allowing them a vocabulary toolbox to appropriately classify Trump as basically a white supremacist. Did you follow that? (laughs) The leftist theory that the guy in power line is writing about because he thinks it's hysterical that he outed himself. The leftist theory is that the left's new language rules are Uh so detailed and hard to describe that when the left is trying to categorize people on the right like Trump as white supremacists and yeah. racists that the argument doesn't make sense because nobody understands what the hell they're talking about. Again. Zem they <laughs> has said about they know thou that thouest heest sheest thinkest thou is intersectionality on the moral zhou though side. And people are like what the hell are you talking about they thou is they is so oh my intersectionality <laughs> i is transphobic homophobic i and Ooh. you're like what the i was in vietnam recently <laughs> with fox and i was in a cab I, this yeah. is a true story. And he didn't speak any English, the cab driver. Yeah. I'm not kidding. We used our phones to communicate. It is the uh. coolest. Remember, Paul, I told you about this? 
You talk to Google Translate on your phone. Um, I'd say tell the driver or translate into Vietnamese, make a left in two blocks. And you hit it in Vietnamese. And then the driver would come back and say, tell this guy in the back in English. He's obviously talking in Vietnamese. Tell this guy, okay, I get it. We had a whole conversation. You need a leftist translator for Zhou intersectionality. We need it because nobody knows what you're talking about. He, him. So the irony and the beauty of this power line piece, which I can't recommend enough, is that in the left's effort to engage Zhou culture, they have alienated 90% of America who needs a Google translator to understand you're trying to call Trump a racist. Zhou Thou, they is what the who's Zhe Thou? What are you even talking about? They don't even these pronouns don't even make sense. Them, who, no, I'm talking about he, he, who, you can't say he, you're supposed to say that, them, meaning people, no, just him, I can't say him, who's him, 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 what do you mean him, we're talking about three people, right, no, no, just that guy, you can't say guy, well, what guy, them is plural, no, it's not, it's singular, are we talking about a single guy, who's on first, what's on second, G's <laughs> out, nobody knows anything, Right? Yeah. You were. I know you were. You were going to say, I know you. I, 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 dude, I can read your you mind. Got I swear. Me, I've got Joe Armacost DSP. <laughs> Nobody knows what Nobody you're talking about. The reason we have language rules, brother, is so we know what the hell everybody's saying. That guy. Oh, the guy you're pointing to? Yes, that guy. That guy. Yeah. That guy. You can't say guy. Okay, them. Wait, with them, there's a group of people. No, not them. Him. I can't say him. Well, is it the guy you're pointing at? No, it's them. What do you mean them? You're pointing at a single guy. Nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> We've had, Joe, we have been hammering this for five oh, years. Man, yeah. So finally, getting long overdue, yes. getting to the Atlantic piece, this guy nails it. This is a leftist writer being quoted in the Powerline blog. Check this out. As a little, folks, this is worth reading. Hang with me. It is so worth your time. This is a leftist. Figure it out. They've screwed up. The language of the contemporary left is anti-populist. Its vocabulary, much of it taken from academia, is the opposite of accessible. Gee, you think? It has to be decoded and learned. In other words, nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. Terms such as centered, marginalized, intersectional, non-binary, and Eurocentric gender discipline separates outsiders from insiders. But that's part of their intent, as is their insistence on declaring one's personal pronouns and showing inability to use them accordingly. This is a leftist. Even among words like ally and privilege, they acquire a resonance that takes them out of the realm of ordinary usage. Because the point of the discourse is to create a sense of special virtue. In other words, leave that up, please. Look at me. How special. Xi Zhao, though. He, she, them, though. You know, and the other. I know because you're an idiot. I am virtuous. Goes on. The language of the left also demands continuous refreshing. Ah, We've said this all the time. Changes every day and can change literally overnight. (laughs) A writer is told that the phrase born male is no longer okay to use and has to be replaced with assigned male at birth. And let me add here. If you don't say that, Joe, you're transphobic, comophobic, racist, misogynistic, histophobic, phobophobe, zhizhao day though. Man. And you're like, I did. I just said he was a male. Okay, back to the piece. You're just trying to put me on screen, but she goes, she knows. <laughs> okay, going back. Many of these changes happen by ambush. Yes, yes. This is a leftist writing this. 
suddenly and irrevocably with no visible trail of discussion and decision. In other words, folks, nobody agreed to Xi Zhao, they though intersectional born at male, nobody. And with quick condemnation of the holdouts, which gives them a powerful mystique. Come to me. Yes. The holdouts immediately. You hold out. You're not a Xi Zhao. They don't <laughs> look at him. Hester Prynne. It goes on. Almost done. This is beautiful. This is a leftist. The language of the left creates a hierarchy of those who get it and those who don't. Mastering the vocabulary is a way of signaling entry into a select world of the knowing and the just. The system is closed, of course, Joe. There's right. an internal logic that can be accepted or rejected, but it, but it is an open argument, Joe, or question. Mm. You're not allowed to argue about it, okay. Zhao, they, though, intersectional. <laughs> In this sense, though, and this is the last sentence, Though much of the language of the left has academic origins, its use in the public square is almost religious. Man alive. Oh. Mm. Verdict. <laughs> awesome. The chain gavel. Yes. Leftist dude who wrote that piece and it's quoted in Powerline blog. Uh. You nailed it. Dude, how long have we been talking about this, oh, brother Joe? Five long, long years time. since yeah. we started. Yeah, and we've seriously, been wait, you go back to, to SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, when Joe and I were recording in my basement, yeah. we had like ten yeah. listeners in Severna Park, Maryland. Yes. Go back to SoundCloud. I think that one of our first ten shows, yes. we talk about the language police on yes, the left. Yes, yes, yes. And why? Because I told you it happened to me. I was guest hosting yeah. at WMAL on the radio in Washington, D.C. I've told it, many of you listeners, I'm sorry if you've heard the story a thousand times, but it shows you how the left use language, uses language to isolate you and put you on the outside by changing the rules overnight. Some story was there that morning, and it said, you're now that this guy came out and said that if you call people who are gay homosexual, or it may, honest to God, I don't even remember the order, okay. or if you call them homosexual gay, that you are a homophobe. And I thought, did anybody discuss this? Like, where did this come from? This is what the left does. It's meant to signal virtue. Yeah. Look, I understand that gay is more sensitive than homosexual. Therefore, you must be a homophobe. And well, we were sitting around at MAL that morning. I remember thinking, wait, what? Who, who made this rule up? It, they do it all the time. They, they, that, that, the quote, hey, you can't say he's a male. You have to say a male at birth now. Or you are definitely a transphobe. You okay, is there a public discussion about this? Of course there isn't. But as I've said to you, and I promise I'll get to Cuomo, I didn't forget that. As I've said to you, again, repeatedly, the left will eventually cannibalize and eat its own. Because, yeah, you're damn right. Mm -hmm. Because folks, number one, these attacks work. Look, that guy said male. And if you're a leftist primary voter with your pink hat on, you know what I mean, yeah. and your I love Obamacare and Bernie's the greatest socialism 2020 shirt, you're woke, man. You get it. In order to signal your virtue when some leftist who's not in on the new code word says, well, that guy was born male. Oh, oh, Zizo Day. Zizo Day's a homophobe, transphobe. The leftist is like, what do you mean? I didn't know that. They changed... What do you mean you didn't know? You didn't get the memo last night at 9 p.m. They said male should be male at birth now. You didn't get the leftist socialist email list? The homophobe, transophobe, istophobic, phobophobe, definitely. Yeah, guy's out. He's out. 
Candidate Joey X. Oh, you can't say X. That's a that's a slur against Malcolm X. You're a racist. I'm a what? What? Oh, what are you what? talking about? Nothing you say is ever going to be legit. <laughs> Nothing. It's over. You are not legit. And the signaling that you're more virtuous works. Yep. Amongst le- conservatives, gaff this off. Right. But liberals would be like that. Candidate sucks. You. They said male. And it's them signaling there, look at me, chest puffery. But folks, eventually it turns on them because the rules don't make any sense. So they make mistakes. Remember that California State Center in the video? She's giving out the whole team a lecture about how they're going to use zhe, zhou, zhe, thou yeah. pronouns. And then she goes, yeah, you know, my grammar school teacher, she would really hate it. And the audience is like, you use she. You use she. And in the socialist convention video we played last oh, week, guy great. comes up. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. And then the other guy comes up. You can't say guys. Folks, this movement will eat itself alive because it is not based on any coherent functioning set of rules that a civilized society can live by. The conservative rules are simple, Joe. I believe in God-given big R rights and liberty for me. That includes economic liberty, healthcare liberty, education liberty, freedom and choice, and a limited government based on items in the Constitution guaranteed on mass public consensus. The, you know, the army, uh, system of courts, that's what we believe in. Those rules are not hard to violate. You respect my civil liberties granted by God, I'll respect yours. I don't want to give the government my money. I don't want you to either. I want to be able to defend myself. I want you to as well. They are very simple rules. Those movements never cannibalize themselves. Movements of ideological purity, where everybody competes to be the woke. The, I'm, I'm woke. I'm woker. I'm the wokiest woke wokeman you've ever woken in your woke life. I'm wokier than him. They, there's no question this is going to collapse on itself. I'm telling you, read that Powerline blog piece. It is so worth your time. Now, how does this relate to Cuomo? Sorry, I had a lot of fun in that. Sometimes when I'm having fun in a segment, I got to go a little longer. May have annoyed some of you and some of you may like, but I really, I just want you to know, I've really enjoyed that. And I think you could tell. I, I, it's because it's just, we've been talking about it for so long. I mean, someone sums up the essence of what you've been trying to say yeah. more elegantly than you can. I have to hammer it home. So hat tip to that writer who, even though he's a leftist nailed it, but Chris Cuomo from CNN gets in an altercation with a guy that gets videotaped. Listen, I'm generally not a big fan of this stuff. Um, you know, uh, listen, I, I you know, I, I have a temper too, and I always say to my you know my wife i'm out in public make sure you like pull me away if someone because i just i have a bad time i'm not gonna lie to you i mean we never fake it on this show and mm-hmm. even though i probably shouldn't say stuff um i do because i feel like all you've done for me you're entitled to understand the real me warts and all mm-hmm. i have a bad temper i do i just always have um it's my I, I work on it i pray about it i mean that it's not me virtue signaling um and i think i've gotten a little better um in public i'm usually pretty cool i mean you really really got to get under my skin because i get it a lot but Cuomo lost it last night. This video, I'm not going to play it. It's about a minute long, but it's basically Cuomo in the face of this guy. Guy gets in his face, calls him Fredo. Uh, Cuomo comes back, tells me he's going to throw him down the stairs or whatever. It's kind of a stupid video. It's, it's all over Twitter this morning. Yeah. But how this relates to this language police thing, and I just threw this in, is now CNN in defense of Cuomo. And listen, defend your guy, whatever. I don't care. I really don't. If Cuomo wants to lose it in public, I don't, it's his career. Do whatever you want. Although, you know, Joe, if it happened to me and we were on video, like, 
I'm going to rip your head off and... <laughs> what would they say, Joe? Lunatic maniac. Fox News, get him off the air. But of course, when it's CNN, everybody's got to defend them at yeah. CNN because, you know, they don't really have any principles. So now that, you know, their, their, their defense here is that the guy called Cuomo Fredo, you know, Fredo from The Godfather, oh, yeah. uh -huh. you know, the meek, weaker, like sellout yes. brother. So Cuomo in the video is like, Fredo, that's an ethnic Italian slur. Folks... And CNN jumped on that bandwagon, Joe. Here we go with the language police now. Fredo, I'm Italian, folks. My I, last yeah, name is Bongino, yes, okay? Is. You yeah. could put it in front of Italian restaurant. It would make perfect sense, okay? Yeah. It, 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 Bongino's pizza, Bongino's Italian would make perfect sense. That's where I was My, going. Our last name was Bongiorno yeah. before they changed it. All right? I don't really care if you call I've, It's not an Italian slur. And I'm not going to make it an Italian slur now either because I'm a woke SJW social justice word. Don't call me Fredo. I'll lose my mind. Fredo's a character in a movie. Grow a set of cojones, okay? Thicken uh -huh. up your skin and grow up. Fredo, listen, again, I don't, I'm not, whatever. You want to get into a fight with a guy in public? I'm not going after him personally. I really, I'm not going to, I don't even care. I'm just saying, don't, just say, hey, I was with my kid, I got pissed off, and I got in a guy's face, whatever. But don't come out with this nonsense, wussy stuff. Oh, I'm Italian and Fredo's an ethnic, get, dude, get lost. We're not going to put that in the new exclusionary terms category, okay? Fredo generally meant being a sellout or something like that. Oh, look at this tweet. Mm. Luckily, Paula found this for me this morning, showing you again how the left changes the rules. Remember that piece overnight? Here's Vanity Fair. Far left radicals at Vanity Fair taking a shot at Trump advisor Roger Stone. What does the tweet say? Another reminder that everyone connected to the Trump administration is an absolute Fredo. <laughs> I thought it was racist or or. Ethnicist, misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic. I thought it was it. Apparently, it's not when Vanity Fair uses oh. it now. <sighs> there are a thousand clips of Anna Navarro and tons of others using the word Fredo to describe sellouts. I'm just cautioning you against falling into this social justice warrior trap. Yeah. I'm Italian. I don't speak for all Italians, I speak for myself. I'm American. I wasn't born. I've never even been to Italy. But having an Italian lineage, it is not a slur. Don't be a, you know, wuss like these leftists. My gosh. Okay, I was going to get into this. Um, I have to get to it tomorrow. This the, the craziest Epstein theory. You know, let's just put it up quick. I'll stress it quick. The craziest Epstein conspiracy theory I've heard yet. There are a lot of them out there. I told you I'm waiting for the facts. But listen, it's not a conspiracy theory to have questions about this at all. Don't read me wrong. This is very suspicious, the death of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. But having said that, there are some people out there saying crazy stuff. Here's a piece by uh, Betsy Rothstein, who's certainly no fan of mine at the Daily Caller, but it's kind of a funny piece. Halperin floats the weirdest Epstein conspiracy theory, and people are pissed. Really, this lady hates my guts. But it's a funny piece. Um Halperin, Mark Halperin, this now disgraced former alleged reporter, floated this theory. Here's his tweet. Joe, this is, this is like some Ugh. crazy, like Iron Man 2 kind of stuff. Um, he says, not a conspiracy theory, but a question. If you assume the incompetence and or corruption required for Epstein to kill himself or be murdered, why not believe he might have faked his own death via body double <sighs> and escaped? Okay. <laughs> 
folks. Um, if the let me just ask you a simple question, okay? Yes, uh, because I, I listen. I know there's a couple probably people out there who go, "Why not, folks?" The guy knew he was under investigation. If he was going to fake his death with a body double, why would he wait to get locked up to go into prison to do it? Did, <laughs> right. Now, Joe, if you hated the Dan Bongino show so yeah. much, you wanted to get away from me yeah. that you faked your own death and you'd have to that have to be a body. So yeah. Joe would have to he'd have to kill somebody, which would be awful. Right. Oh. We can all agree. Terrible. Why would Joe wait to get locked up to transplant the guy like the Mickey Rourke character? Was that Iron Man two or three? I don't even remember. Oh. I think it was two where they put the. Why would you wait till you got in prison to do that? Folks, this is please no. <laughs> questions. Yes. A ton of them. This is very, very suspicious. Some of the questions I brought up yesterday. But he faked his death with a body double and escaped from one of the most secure facilities in the city of New York. Uh, listen, it's not Iron Man 2, okay? And what is it, guy? Whiplash? No. I'm telling you, uh, remember Occam's Razor? Always. Occam's Razor, otherwise yeah. known as keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. But here's the real Occam's Razor. Given a series of explanations, you should always accept the one that requires the fewest amount of assumptions. This makes you assume, this theory, that he was smart enough to get a body double in there, clever enough to whack him, leave him in the cell. It makes you, it, you assume there was no test, no, no dental records, no nothing done on the body. You assume that there were people in on it. That the person that walked into the cell evaded every video camera in MCC. Folks, it's just a dumb theory. I'm sorry. Halpern should be embarrassed, but it's hard to embarrass Mark Capron. All right, folks. I, that was a really enjoyable show today. Yeah. I think you can tell I had a really good time. So uh, I appreciate it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Uh, also, our audio podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud. Where you can download older episodes as well. Please subscribe. I humbly and re respectfully ask. It's the subscriptions that help us move up the charts it's the downloads help too don't get me wrong especially on the episodes but the free subscriptions are all free really matter thanks for all your support you guys and ladies are great you're the best audience out there love you to death i'll see you all tomorrow you just heard the dan bongino show you can also get dan's podcasts on itunes or soundcloud and follow dan on twitter 24 7 at d bongino